All right, well, good evening, everybody. It's uh, good to be with you. Um, We're going to continue our class tonight on the Hall of Faith. Kind of do this every week, but if you're just joining us or if you're new to this, um, if you're visiting, maybe you're online tuning in uh, on a rare occurrence or for the first time, uh, this class has been over Hebrews chapter 11, not the entire book, but just that chapter. It is a chapter where the Hebrew writer, uh, whom we don't know, we can only speculate, gives example after example of figures from the Old Testament times of people who live by faith. So we learn what it looks like to live uh, by trusting God, putting our trust in Him, what that looks like in our life, how we might define that, and how that might play out in the different areas and things that happen to us in life. We haven't gone through everybody. Uh, We've skipped a few for different reasons. Um, Last week we talked about who, do you remember? So class is going great. Uh, it's, if you're just tuning in, clearly, this is very memorable stuff, and you are not missing out whatsoever. Um, no, we talked about Jacob. I know we skipped a few, but we talked about Jacob, a little bit about his son Joseph. Uh, we're skipping Joseph tonight for time's sake. Uh, we don't have enough weeks in this class to cover everybody. But we are skipping to the second female on our list, uh, and the first person... I don't know if this counts, but we're skipping someone who's not a Jew as well. We're talking about Rahab tonight. And so if you want to follow along in your, in your Bible, uh, if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 2, we're going to spend most of our time there. Of course, we will have uh, these on the, the screen behind me. It might be a little weird at first with just some of our uh, iPad issues. But uh, as we talk about Rahab, not a Jew, she's a Gentile woman. She is most famously known for what? What about her? She's a prostitute. Uh, she was a harlot. That was her occupation. And so that's a powerful example of all the different types of people and their past who come to Christ. You know, every single one of us in here as a Christian, we all come to Jesus with a past. Um, they look vastly different from one another. They all have, we all have things on our ledger we wish weren't there. And thank you very much. And Rahab's an example of that. Um, I know sometimes it feels like our churches are filled with people who've just always been in church or were raised in church. But for the vast majority of Christians around the world, I think a lot of them have come from very different places and done different things. And Rahab's an example of that, how God can work in your life to change you. And so we're going to look at her tonight. A little bit about her, though. If you look at Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim at spies, as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. So that's where we get the prostitute part. Multiple times in Joshua, twice in chapter 6, once in chapter 2, we mention this occupation of hers. We're all all good? Oh, okay, sorry. I was getting to look back there like something was wrong. Um, Oh, I got you. And so just so you understand, um, off the rip, she was a prostitute, we get that. Where did she live in chapter 2? Where did it say? Where's Jericho? I don't mean specifically like where exactly on a globe, but what part of land is that located in? Canaan, the promised land. We've kind of, we skipped a few guys, but we've kind of seen how this promise has been passed down. So we went to Jacob last. We are now advanced to the place of Israel has been freed from captivity. They are now going into the land. They have a new leader in Joshua. They're now doing the conquest part of having to drive the inhabitants out of the land. One of the first places we're going to see is Jericho in the book. But before they take it, they're going to spy out the land. Um, And so about Rahab, prostitute, lived in the city of Jericho. 
one extra thing about uh, Rahab you might want to know is in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, she is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. Now, for a Jew, they trace their, back, they trace their genealogy back through the father or the mother. Which one do you think? The father. And Matthew's writing, really, I think, to prove to Jews more. That's his audience. It's to everybody, but really to Jews that Jesus was the Messiah who was prophesied. So he starts from the very beginning by showing how Jesus filled all the Messiah's needs for the genealogy. And he goes through the fathers. But there's a few people in that genealogy to show them, hey, for all of you outcasts out there, look at some of the people in this list who is in God's um, line uh, line of, of his life. One of those being Rahab, a Gentile person, a woman that wasn't as common. So uh, just a few things that are interesting about her. She's in the line of Jesus, and that I think would maybe have a few cool lessons for us on that, just thinking about this woman who other people would never have thought that's where she'd end up. Uh, through God working in her life and through her faith, she is in the line of Jesus. Uh, we're going to start with the story of faith uh, if you want to read with me in Joshua chapter 2, we'll just start it over. Read verse 1 through verse 7. Uh, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan, as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Um, as we stop right there, if you want to look at Hebrews, don't have to look at Hebrews, we'll see in a second. Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about by faith, and the big thing was is that she hid the spies. That's what she's known for in Hebrews 11. She hid the spies, and you see that uh, back in verse 1. It's interesting. Joshua sends out two spies to Jericho. What was Joshua at one time? Do you remember that story? Uh, when they're going to view the promised land and it was full of what? The promised land was full of what type of people? Giant, giants. Um, we're talking about, when you think of Goliath, and there's been speculated measurements about that guy. How he could... He would hold around 400 pounds of armor on his body while he went into battle. Like he could have been anywhere from seven foot eight, eight foot six, up to some great numbers. You know, when you go see a basketball goal outside, that could have been Goliath. And that's how big he is. They go into this land full of giants. How many spies were sent out? Twelve. How many came back with a negative report? How many came back with a good report? How many spies did he send? Kind of an interesting connection there. He spent out, he sent out two spies here. So you have a guy who knows what it's like to be a spy who sends out spies. By the way, if those two guys didn't like their assignment, they couldn't complain about it to Joshua. He'd done it before. It's like, why is he making us do this? Well, he's done it. So, uh, but he sends them out to spy this land before they would go take it. Interestingly enough, in Hebrews 11, in all of this list of people, there's also a few events that are mentioned. 
how they happened by faith, Jericho being one of them. Um, but anyway, she hid the spies. Uh, so they end up, uh, it doesn't tell us their specific mission. Okay, look at the land. There's nothing really more specific there besides that, though. Um, just go view the land. There wasn't a go find this person or do this or go check the infrastructure. Who knows exactly what it was, but go spy out the land. They end up in the house of a prostitute. Um, do you think that was purposeful? Not from God's end. Do you think he told them go find a prostitute's house? No idea. I don't, I don't know if that was the place. Now what might be pretty, how would have that place been beneficial, you think, for a spy? There's always people coming in and out, you would imagine. Okay, so maybe a good place for a guy to just go hide. Um, I would imagine shady things are probably going down in that part of the city. So maybe people didn't talk around those parts, or maybe it would be a place for someone to go and and deal in this way. But uh, another thing for her is you would imagine a prostitute is also what? Do you think she's a tattletale? I would assume not. I would imagine in her history she's had to deal with some of that kind of stuff. So uh, they're sent to her, or they end up at her house. She's probably a secretive person, discreet in some ways. Don't know if that's strategic or happenstance. Clearly God's working in all of this. But just notice right there, God used a prostitute. God uses unlikely people in unlikely ways. He does unlikely things. When you think this doesn't make sense, how is this going to work? God majors in that. God does that all the time. And so they end up in her house. Um, but even though you think it might be secretive or good, what happens in verse 2? They're there, but somebody finds out. Someone tells the king. The king sends men. And that's where we get to one of the interesting parts of this story that people have questions about. Is Notice her response in verse 4. And I know you can't see these uh, up there, or the verse numbers, but verse 4 starts with, the, But the woman... Um, well, there it is. Uh, verse 4, But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So what did she do there? Okay. Uh, this is not the point tonight, but we <laughs> that woman lied. Can you believe it? Um, sometimes we, I think we look at this story, we look at Hebrews 11, and we want to discuss this all the time. It's fine to discuss. It's not the main point, but we can spend a quick second on it. Um, is she justified in doing that? You know, I'm not trying to open up a uh, can of worms here. I just will tell you this. You hear a lot of people with different opinions on this. Um, some will say she's justified because of who she's helping. Just think about that for a second, though, what you're really arguing there. It's okay to do wrong if you're on the right side. So, well, give me a second. Give me a second. Some say she's justified because she's helping God. Okay. Some say this is a espionage act and a military thing. And so maybe there's a difference in how God would see that compared um, to another type of work. You know, it's different in that. Um, Some people would say a lie is a lie. Uh, Look, I I don't know how God views all of those things. Um, I don't know if there's God sees differently if you work in military or government. 
or spy. What I will tell you this is sin is sin regardless of the reasons for it. And sin is sin, I guess what I'm saying is um, morally or ethics don't change just because of your circumstances. Sometimes we try to write off sin and give it excuses and justify it. We don't have to justify people in Scripture. It is telling us the story. God can commend Rahab's faith and commend some of her actions without commending all of it. Just because it says she did this by faith doesn't mean every single thing she did was good. Um, and at least for me, I, I don't think she's justified in lying, but I also don't think God is commending her for her lie, by the way. Um, we'll look at Hebrews 11 in a second. But he commends her for hiding the spies. He commends her faith for sending them out peacefully, which we'll read in a few moments. Um, but doesn't mean maybe that he commended her for the lie. Now, if God views that differently because of the spy situation, okay. But I don't see many places in Scripture, if any, <laughs> I don't see any place in Scripture where God excuses sin. Yeah. Contextually, we're talking about a Canaanite prostitute. Lying. Okay. This is, this is our first meeting with her. She is a Canaanite prostitute lying. There should be no suppression. Um, you might be reading my notes a little bit. Um, but I just think sometimes we need to understand this a bit when we read you know, the, the narratives of Scripture. That God can commend people, but not commend every single thing they did. Um, David was a man after God's own heart. Do you think God commended every single thing David did? No. And that could be the same with her. Um, we don't have to try to explain her lie away. Um, she was commended for hiding them. Doesn't mean the lie was fine. Um, she's commended for receiving them in peace. Doesn't mean the lie was fine. She sent them on their way safely. Doesn't mean the lie was fine. By the way, remember something. You said she's what? She's a Canaanite Gentile woman. She has a limited understanding of God at this time. And we'll see that in, in a few seconds. Um, later, she'd become this child of God in a way. She goes from you know a, a child of Canaan later to a daughter of Zion. Uh, but at this time, she has a very, very limited knowledge of God. This is, a, this is like the first time she's interacted probably with an Israelite or really about this God. Yes? She did have fear of the Lord. And we're going to... We're going to look at that. Um, but even that, the only thing she knows about God is just the story she's heard about what he's done. No idea she's heard about his statutes or his commands or anything morally like that. But she has heard about these great, these great works that have been done uh, through God's people with God's help. So just understanding, she, is, she might be brand new to this concept of the one God of Israel. Um, doesn't justify or lie, but just understand her place. So, she hides the spies. Uh, look at verse 8 through 11. This, yes. Were they already across the Jordan River? Uh, in chapter 3, next it says they would cross. So, it seems like, no, uh, they would do that just here after the two, the two spies went ahead. So, uh, they had an army of one point. Two million people on the other side and give her some soldiers to say, hey, our little old Jericho is what? Five acres? Four and a half acres? See? Yeah, I don't... She, she didn't have to know, but her thing was to protect herself and hers. She... This is part of why we're mentioning this. 
I don't know if she could see the army. I don't. I mean, the army's not there yet. Um, all we know is what we'll see uh, in this next passage of what she's heard about them. But once again, I don't think we have to say that the lie or sin's not a sin. Um, that's just some of that point. But look at verse eight. Look at verse eight. Before the men lay down. She came up to them on the roof. So these guys have left, the ones who are pursuing her. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, Our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. If you pause right there, first she hides them. Secondly, you start to see that she believed based off what she had heard about Israel and their God. Um, So what's the reason she hides them? Partly, save her household, right? She's scared for her life. Okay, um, why else, or how? What else might you add to that? What do you read between? What do you read in that of how she thinks about God? She's trying to curry favor. To curry favor. Do you see some belief in their, her statements? There, there. She has some belief about. We could talk about her motives, but there is belief uh, in these statements. What has she heard specifically about them? Notice that passage. What are the things she's heard specifically? Okay, the Red Sea. She, she's, she's heard about this. This has to be, has to be foreign to them, to, to hear about a people who, ha, who would have done this, a God who could do this. To open up a sea, this most powerful nation, to bring about all of these people, to close it, to destroy... I, what did she say when she'd heard that? How did they react? Her heart melted. Um, this had an effect on them. So she's heard the Red Sea. What was the other thing she's heard? Or they have heard? Okay, probably less known to us or to some of us than the Red Sea story, Sihon and Og. Those take place in uh, the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 21, verse 21 through 35. Uh, we won't look at it. Right now, but in Numbers chapter 21, 21 through 35, Israel, the first, at first was, they asked the king if they could pass through the land of the Amorites. They were pretty respectful about it. They're like, hey, we want to pass through. We're not going to take anything of yours. We're not going to do anything like that. We won't drink the water in your wells. We won't take your grain, nothing. And the king Sihon responded by taking his people and attacking Israel. Um, so they were trying to be respectful. He did not respond in kind. Israel defeated them and wiped them out. Uh, after that, just a little later in the chapter, uh, Og, he was the king of Bashan or, or Bashan, and he came to meet Israel in their travels. They were on the way. He came and met them to fight. Um, I guess they were afraid of the things they had heard about this God or this nation, and Israel wiped all of them out and took their land too. Yeah. I'm not sure. What? Well, it's, it's possible. I'd, maybe I just didn't read that, or I don't know. It's very possible. I don't know. Um, but they wipe both of them out. So she's heard about 
hey, there's the Red Sea. You were rescued, and the way you did it was miraculous. There's these two other nations that came to you to fight, and you destroyed every single one of them. So maybe there is some fear here of what's going to happen to us. Maybe she's trying to curry favor and, and all of this. But do you sense some belief in her about God, the God of Israel? Yeah, look at that last statement. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Um, you know, you see some phrases of her faith. I know, listen, not I think, I know the Lord has given you this land. The Lord your God, He is God. There's, these are statements of, there's some faith there. Might not be the fullest faith, or we're all in a process of faith, but she has some. Yeah. I think... If she didn't believe it, she would not have been afraid. Hmm. Okay, that's a good... That she wouldn't have been afraid of... Oh, this idea of... If she didn't believe in them, it's, well, they're not really going to do anything to us. She really believes he, that this God was doing these things. I think she would have said... I think she would have said, come on in. They're yeah. right here. Yeah. That, that's, that's a good thought of, you know, if, if she didn't have faith, maybe she would think the stories were fake. Or they weren't real or... God couldn't affect them the way he had affected these other places. Uh, but you see some faith. And um, it was this belief, based on what she had heard, that caused her to hide the spies. Um, by the way, did she see any of these things happen herself? No, she heard it. <laughs> she heard it, and we'll get back to that. Another question. Did she need more evidence to believe? Okay, we'll get back to that question in a second, too. Um, but I, I will tell you, and we'll look at these verses in a moment, but in Hebrews eleven six that we've already looked at in our class, her story is a great example of Hebrews 11.6 to me. Uh, she is an example of many of the truths about faith we've already read in this chapter. Uh, and so the last part of her story, before we jump into the application for you and I, it starts in verse 12. It says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal with kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Uh, so, pausing right there, simply, she asked that when they take Jericho, or when they come, they would... Not they would save her and hers. Let's say would save her and her family. Um, you know, please, please do this. Save us once again. A few things. Yeah, she knew it was coming. She wanted to be saved from it. She seems to have some belief because she believes they can really overtake Jericho. Uh, but she almost asked for, "Would you please just save me when you come and this all happens?" Um, they promised to be kind and faithful to her. By the way, notice their faith in verse fourteen. Um. If you do not tell this business of ours, then what? What do you say? If the Lord gives us this land? No, it's when. Once again, confident expectations. We're seeing this, this idea of faith in a lot of the things said. Uh, but they have faith too. And so they make this promise. Um, they make this promise and uh, we'll be kindly and deal faithfully with you. Um, the fact that she asked tells us she believes she could be rewarded or that they would deal kindly or faithfully with her for how she served. Um, she has some concept maybe of maybe God would, would be or help her for the way she's helped them. 
And she ultimately was saved by faith. I think I have it. No, I don't. If you want to flip to Hebrews 6 in your Bible real quick. I'm sorry, I forgot to put this on there. And, he, and Sorry, Joshua chapter 6. I know, some of you just flipped to a wrong book. I apologize. In Joshua chapter 6, the result that we're skipping actually Jericho. I'm sure if you grew up going to Bible class, you remember that story, how they march around and they defeat every big fortified city the way all of us would do it. They just play a trumpet and they march. Um, but they do that uh, in, verse, in chapter 6 and verse 15 uh, through 17 of Joshua. It says, On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. Uh, If you look there, she's saved uh, because of her faith. Skip down to verse 22. But the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. See, this is is the result. She saved, verse 25. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day. Because she hid the messengers whom Joshua spent, sent to spy out Jericho. She goes from being a child of Canaan to a child of God in a way. Uh, it's, it's a great story because of her faith. And we go, okay, how can we apply this situation? What do we learn here? Well, here's what it said about her in Hebrews 11 and verse 31. And this is where we'll spend our time in Hebrews. It says, by faith, the same pattern we've seen before, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And I, I'm thinking about what can we take away from her story of faith that might apply to our story of faith. And the first one is, is simply this. I think the first thing you learn is that faith works. Faith works. She is another example in this chapter of somebody who did something. She's another example in this chapter of somebody who by faith acted. Uh, was it a mental thing only? She, her faith led her to move. She didn't sit still. She didn't keep quiet. She did something with her faith. Uh, she, she worked. She was active. She, her trust in God led her to move. I think maybe the way, the way we might put this is if there is no action, there is no faith. I think you can define, you can say that from the Bible. If there is no action, there is no faith. They have to correlate. It's not only a feeling. It's not merely a mental belief. There has got to be, if it doesn't move you to move, it's not full faith. And so we see her that she worked. Um, look at James for a second. Look at James chapter 2. I have all these up here. I don't know why I keep telling you to turn everywhere. Um, that's James chapter 2, verse 18 through 26. This is a part of a conversation James has about faith. And without works, how faith is dead. Faith without action is dead. We talked about this a few quarters ago in a James class. 
But notice this section. I didn't want to remove Rahab's part from all of it. But James gives examples, also speaking to probably a Jewish audience, of people from the Old Testament times who were examples of faith. Notice what he says. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. He's just simply saying, all right, let's compare faith. You, you can show me your faith without your works. Try to prove it. And then I'll show you my faith with my works, and we'll see which one proves to be faith. Well, which one would prove to be faith? Yep, It's proven because there's some evidence to it. And we're not talking about works here like things you do to earn God's grace. We're talking about proofs of your faith. James's writings, the word works is different from the way Paul uses it in Romans, for example. Uh, and so he says, we can prove it through our works. Keep reading. Uh, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He's showing them right there. If you think just a mental belief is good enough to have real faith or have saving faith, he says, you are a lot like a demon. He says, actually, a demon shudders. There's a little proof of a demon's faith. Um, But none of you would say demons are saved, James would say. And yet, if you believe, well, even demons believe. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, Was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. We talk about faith and works a lot, and we have a conversation about baptism with it. And I get how that scripture might refute some thoughts about baptism. But in the book of James, he's not really talking about baptism. He's talking to a people who I think are already Christians and he's saying, your faith has to be moving and active for it to be real saving faith. Rahab is an example of that. Hebrews 11 has showed this over and over again. I mean, these arguments we use for baptism are great. I'm just trying to say, contextually, he's not talking about being saved or the moment of salvation at first. He's trying to remind them, there's got to be some evidence in your life. There's got to be some proof. Have you ever heard that phrase... um, uh, is if I can't remember how they say it. it's an old preacher thing. Some of them preach series from this, but it's like, uh, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Something along those. I'm not saying that right. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you refuse to be a Christian, there be enough evidence to convict you. Thank you. If I'm going to use a preacher example, he's the guy to ask, right? Uh, <laughs> um, if you were accused of being a Christian or tried for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about some of the evidences we use in a court of law. What are they? What kind of evidence do we use in a court of law? Uh, that was a lot at once. You got, no one said anything, and then all of you said something at once. Uh, someone over here said something? Material witness? Okay, so we go talk to other people who would have seen it, uh, who would witnessed the act. Uh, what else did someone say? Character witness? Physical evidence? Um, someone who witnessed the actual thing probably would mean more than the character witness a little bit. You said actual evidence. Is that what you said? Evidence. Or evidence. Like? 
your Facebook page. You confess to the crime online. Why did you do that? Um, no, like DNA evidence. You know, like we can put you there. You are part of this. Uh, you know what's interesting is you know what the greatest piece of evidence is in a court of law, by the way? Confession. Um, you can have almost no other evidence, and they might take a confession to convict you. That's just an interesting thought. If you ever want to give a Devo, fellas, use that for confession. Okay, there's your three-minute Devo for you. Um, but this idea, though, is, is there enough evidence to convict you of your faith? Is there proof of it? You know, like, is there de- think about this. Is there fingerprint evidence of me being active in this church? You know, like, is there fingerprint evidence of me being here? of me being encouraging, of me serving in a way? Is there DNA evidence to show how my faith has been working in my home? Are there any witnesses to that? Not saying that we do anything to be seen by people, but I think you get the idea, right? That with faith, there has to be some type of evidence shown. It's a proof. Uh, It works along with faith, your work says. And so one big idea that I get from Rahab is you go back and it says, by faith, she hid the spies. There is action, there is work, there is some proof of her faith. Um, You don't have to necessarily go prove your faith to anybody. I hope you don't leave here tonight and go, I'm going to go prove to someone, I believe. That's not the message. But in our life, is there anything being produced through us or in us that shows to people or shows to God there's faith? Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. There's... There's a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of Christians, if you ask them what's a Christian, they'll say, well, that's a guy that doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink, he doesn't cuss. It's all the things you don't do. Yeah. But you don't go to Hebrews 11 and read, Rahab had faith, but she didn't cuss, she didn't drink, she didn't smoke. Yeah. It, it's not the stuff you don't do. We read here, it's all the stuff they did, and they did it by faith. Yeah, by faith she resisted all the temptations that she didn't have, <laughs> you know? Some of that. Or, by faith, she didn't do A, B, C, or D. It's what she did, which is part of the point. She worked. Um, and I, we've harped on this a little bit already, but I think in our world, we make sometimes faith or being a Christian about, I, I attend an assembly or a worship service, and that's kind of, I'm a Christian, you know. We, in high school, you can check your Scantron of, you know, yeah, this is where I identify religiously or in college or on your Facebook page. And it's, you know, I go to church some, so I guess I, I, I kind of line up with that viewpoint. That's not what living by faith is in Scripture. It's way more than just how you think. It's how you live. And here you see that. I think that's a great point. It's not just what you don't do. It's, it's actually what you do. And uh, so that's a big, big one I see through here. So I'm not saying go out and prove it to people. Go do things to be seen. Not that at all. Um, that's, that's maybe a sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, what's being produced in my life? Okay, we'll keep going. And if you have a thought or comment, just raise your hand. Yell at me. Uh, the second one is this that you see from here. Faith trusts what it hears. I'm not talking about blind faith, but faith does trust what it hears. Do you remember what he said at the beginning of Hebrews 11? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Yeah, conviction or the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation or they were approved. Um, she, her faith came from what she had heard about God. The Red Sea with the kings. These stories she had heard about how Israel 
Uh, they're just their story and what had happened to them. Her, her faith came from what she had heard. Remember, had she seen any of this? I don't know if people had been traveling and told the story. I, I would assume so, but she didn't see any of it. Well, it was old news. That had been 40 years earlier. <laughs> yeah. If you think it, if she was alive when they crossed the Red Sea, then she would be how old now? And she, this, after this, she gets married because you talked about the, the the lineage that she was included in of Jesus. So she had to be young enough to get married. Somebody's passed these stories along, and she heard them, and she believed them, and she knew that it was all true. And that's why she says, "Your God is the God in heaven, but He's also the God on earth." Yeah. And you contrast that with the idolatry and what they would have seen of those gods. It was nothing. I'm really glad you said that. I looked over the fact. It had been 40 years. You know, by then, there's got to be at least 50 conspiracies to try to explain away how all that happened. Uh, at least that's what we would do, right? So, but it's been 40 years, and she still, she knows the story, and she believes them. But they didn't have network news. So. That's true. That's true. And they didn't have 17 different networks to choose from. Uh, who had their hand up? Yeah, Billy. Hmm. Don't you don't you love that? She didn't. Did she know every detail? Did she know the whole history and the promises and every little thing? No, she just knew that information as far as we know, and she believed. What do you think the point is? There a point for us in that? You think? Yeah, um, she didn't see it. It had happened long ago. She's only heard the story, and yet she believed it, and she's rewarded for it. I think there's some parallels for us, isn't there? Uh, people by fear. That's just wrong. Uh, I'm not getting into that. Uh, Jesus shouldn't have talked about hell. That's a conversation for another day. Okay, so, um, but notice uh, her faith was in some, the unseen, and that keeps this theme going. And for us, when we trust in the unseen, you know, we see it by faith, but the things we don't physically see. Um, when that happens, we will be rewarded. We will eventually see it. You know, she has faith in something she hadn't seen until they start marching and they take Jericho. She sees it. She sees it happen. She sees her faith uh, come to fruition. She sees some of these things happen. And of course, she would see more and she will see more in eternity. But faith trusts what it hears. Um, have you heard this verse before? Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes by or from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. She believed based off what she heard. Are we not the same way? Every single one of us? I know there are different types of evidence. Um, you know, archaeology evidence or textual evidence. And then there's the story. And there's eyewitness testimony. And there's, there's historical evidence. But at the end of the day, doesn't it all come back down to what we have written for us? And that we have to come back to do we believe what we have heard, yeah.
you don't have a blind faith and she doesn't have one uh, there's there's some examination there there's some evidence over time probably with her um paul told the thessalonians test all things hold fast to that which is true uh, we're not called to have a blind faith that's just ignorant um, however at the same time if you and i look at the evidence that we see in the text and all the other types of evidence that always seem to come back to the text don't people till still tell you that you're kind of ignorant and and that evidence isn't good enough or that you kind of have a blind faith based off what it says, even that that's not true. Um, you know, one question I wrote down here is, how much evidence do you need to believe? You ever thought about that question? You ever, uh, there's been times I've studied with somebody, and I'll just say, just from the beginning, I'm like, hey, just a quick question for you. What would I have to show you or tell you for you to believe this? Why do you think I would ask him that? What your interest is and... Is it even possible for you to believe? Yeah, commitment up front or honesty, because sometimes, if you ever study with sometimes, some someone sometimes you get to the end and it's like the uh, goalposts have shifted. You know, it's like, well, if you could show me that in scripture, I believe it. Then you show them, and it's like, okay, but if you could do this, 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 and that, um, yeah. Well, what did it say about her family? Um, yeah, and all who belong to her. So, depends on the belong to her part. I don't know if that's a reference to kids or something. Um, her occupation, who knows about that. So, I'm not sure. Um, but one question is, how much, how much faith or evidence do you need to believe to base your life off of it? For her, the story she heard and over and over again or from the people that she you know, examined in some way, they were enough. You know, what would I have to show you for you to change your mind? For her, it was based off what she had heard. And for us, it's the same way. That's how we come to faith. It's based off what we've heard, and we look at all the other evidence, and we put it together, and we examine it. But listen, if you hear people say this sometimes, like, I won't believe it until I what? I'll believe a resurrection when I see it. Well, you'll see it one day. Yeah. You know, if I could only touch it, right, Thomas? Um, he had to heal people, uh, do a whole lot of, uh, I want to say stick, to get people's attention, or he would have just been a, Really in the wind. Just talking to himself in a way. Yeah, yeah and there's, there, and there was. Remember, at that time, you know, he's doing this to show who he is. That was written in scripture. That was something the Messiah would be powerful enough to do. So he had to prove it. Also, what do we have that none of the people this time had? We have the history in the Bible and all this stuff that we can now go and look. That is great, sufficient evidence. And so, uh, what I'm saying though is, you go back and it's just faith comes through hearing. And for all of us, it's, 
you know, whether it's people in the world or even if we think this sometimes, if I'll believe it when I see it. Well, listen, you're never going to see some of these things until eternity or Jesus comes back. But that doesn't mean this isn't sufficient enough to have real faith. Uh, and then just for time's sake, the last one is that this. Yeah, I think you see faith is rewarded. Uh, for her, her faith was rewarded. That's the same for us. And we've seen this time and time again. She, she is an example of Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seeks him. Did she believe in his existence? Yeah, you see that in what she says. Did she seek him through her actions? She was rewarded. She is an example of Hebrews 11.6. I mean, she really is. Um, this prostitute woman who doesn't know a whole bunch about God was a great example. And her life changed. Obviously, she became a, ch- a child. Uh, and Israel says she's alive to this day. Lineage of Jesus. Her life changed um, from all of this. But it all started with faith from what she had heard. And she was rewarded for it. Remember this, when it comes to being rewarded, in this chapter, what we see over and over again is that we are not rewarded instantly. All of these died in faith, not having received the promises. Uh, For you and I, we are playing the long game. We might receive or see some things by faith, but we are playing the long game. We are told to run with endurance for a reason. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. All of our races are going to be different times. You ever thought about that? Some of us are going to run more laps than another one. But we have to have the endurance to run however long our race is. And the great news is, is if we live by faith, we're rewarded by faith. That you get to the victor's crown. You get to go through that big, I don't know, what do they call those things they put at the finish line that they use ribbons and cut through sometimes and the people just run through? What do you call those? What? Banners, paper, I don't know. Uh, Anyway. Tape? What'd you say? I can't hear anything. Anyway, um, but you'll get to go through that at one point. Yes. Yeah. She she risked all of it. Um, she put her faith on the line. She trusted in these men of God. Um, she did. I mean, that's more proof of faith, isn't it? She was willing to risk her neck. For this, because she really believed that they could take Jericho. So there's more stories of faith in that whole Jericho scene that you can read on your own time. Uh, I appreciate you being here tonight. I hope you got something out of that class. And uh, thanks for being here. I appreciate you.